fellow Marvelites, you are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 550. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Agent of Chaos Magic, Lorraine Sink. Ooh, how you, you feel know? about that Chaos Magic? Did you get to go? I have seen the film. I have seen the film. I know what happens in the film. We will talk about the film a bit more later in our community section, but I saw the movie. One thing before we get into all that, this is episode 550. I was trying to think of other key issue number 550s in Marvel, and it's we've like gone past it, but we don't have a lot of numbering that hits 550. It's a weird thing. I was thing. like Spider-Man. Uh... Yeah, we have like legacy <laughs> numbering though. Like, yeah. so if you like backtracked some series of hit 550 but i know fantastic four and amazing spider-man hit 550 amazing spider-man introduced menace which is a cool character it's part of brand new day i love anniversaries in i know in you comics do. and anything give me a hard cool number and i'm all over it that's what you can say about ryan give him a hard cool number and he's all over it <laughs> put that on my t-shirt yeah it's very very good we have passed the menace of covid in my household my wife had it somehow child and i did not get it and everybody's okay we love that just in time for mother's day her first negative result came on mother's day which was oh that's a great mother's day present honestly she really just wanted to hug Catherine, (laughs) which is what she got to do yeah big weekend of course marvel studios dr strange and the multiverse of madness is out in the world free comic book day this past weekend mother's day this past weekend So many things to celebrate, but this week we've got on Matt Forbeck, game designer for the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game. If you love a tabletop RPG baby, you have We Got One For You. We're going to talk about it a lot more today. Yeah, because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or tabletop role-playing, whatever. (laughs) Lorraine and I are excited about. There's a lot to get excited about, including the next MCU film, the next movie from Marvel Studios, which is Marvel Studios Thor, Love and Thunder. Ryan, did you see the picture? It was incredible. I was like, whoa, look at the two of them there because you get to see Thor and the Mighty Thor side by side. It was a photo released by Empire Magazine. And yeah, them arms. Woof. Yeah. And over in Empire Magazine, you can read a full interview with Taika Waititi, the director of Marvel Studios Thor, Love and Thunder where he talks about the return of Jane Foster and quoting here, Empire Magazine, making an all-out MCU rom-com. I'm excited to see what that means. It's going to be in their summer preview issue, which is on sale this week, or you could get it online. And of course, you can see Marvel Studios Thor, Love and Thunder only in theaters coming on July 8th. Like summer's almost here, which is wild. I'm so excited for this. Sun's out. Sun's out. Guns Guns out. out. Yeah, 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 baby. Honestly, I'm extremely obsessed as this picture. I identify only as this picture. It's so good. (laughs) It's very exciting. But before we even get into the theaters again for the MCU, of course, we have Marvel Studios, Ms. Marvel coming to Disney Plus on June 8th. That's less than a month away. And we've got new teasers, new trailers. There's details. Empire had some stuff. We're getting more information, more excitement, more hype for this next original series from Marvel Studios. Yeah. And, you know, keep looking out for stuff because basically we're counting it down throughout the month. But right now, you guys should be watching Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Leave wherever you are. Go directly to a theater (laughs) to experience it right now. And of course, if you already saw the film, you know it, you love it, you're stoked on it. 
America Chavez has some cool merch these days over in our Marvel must-haves section on marvel.com. Plus, if you follow Sochi Gomez, who plays America Chavez, on her Instagram, you can see her do an unboxing. She's got this like enormous box. She finds America Funkos, Legos, Marvel Legends figures, apparel, and a whole bunch more. Also, you can go to marvel.com and just look through the gallery, but it's so great. There's so much great America stuff. It's really exciting. And if you want more information about America Chavez, there's great articles and explainers on the comic book history of America, on the comic book history of the Darkhold, and so much more over on marvel.com to give you a little bit more context. And the film was a box office smash the first weekend. It was huge, huge. So big thanks to everyone who went out and saw it. And probably went to see it multiple times. I heard from a bunch of fans who went a couple times the first day, went every day over the weekend. You know, it's it's exciting. We're going to talk more about the film a little bit later when we get into the community section. But, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff inspired by Marvel Studios in Marvel games right now. We've got the Scarlet Witch, known to some as Wanda Maximoff. She brings her chaos magic to the island in Fortnite right now. So included with the Scarlet Witch outfit is Wanda's cloak back bling. Um, both of those, the outfit and the back bling, light up with chaos magic when you deal damage to opponents, which is cool and gnarly and you can turn that off if you want to be a little bit more stealthy but i think that's a neat little trick there also available in the item shop is the chaos hand axe pickaxe which is really cool it's made of magic energy and the psychic energy manipulation emote for displaying your psionic power check that stuff out you can go and purchase it individually or get everything together in the bundle and uh, even the bundle includes the through the mirror dimension loading screen so a little bit of extra really cool stuff for scarlet witch fans in fortnite yeah and if you have not gotten enough Scarlet Witch yet, definitely go check her out in Future Revolution. She is now available. I'm just going to read the flavor text here because I think it like sets the mood. It says, Vision sacrificed to stop the convergence and save primary Earth affected everybody, but no one felt this sacrifice more than the Scarlet Witch. Now Wanda comes to primary Earth to free him. Scarlet Witch joins Omega Flight as the new playable superhero in Marvel Future Revolution. Definitely go check it out if you want to play play as Scarlet Witch there. And a reminder, Gargantos is now available in Marvel Puzzle Quest. So definitely go check out that big green army boy, not army as in bang, bang, I'm in the army, but army as in look at all these arms. <laughs> <laughs> if you do go play Marvel Future Revolution, also send me a screenshot of you meeting me in the game because you have to meet me when you play the game. Let's talk about some comic book stuff because we had a cool announcement for X-Men and Moon Girl number one, which is written by Mahali Mashigo with art by David Cutler. And this is the continuation of Moon Girl's one-shot series. We've got a couple of these stories where Moon Girl, she battles alongside Miles Morales, the Avengers, and more. In this one, Moon Girl takes the fight to the high evolutionary alongside the X-Men in the big grand finale issue. This trio of one-shots has this really cool saga all about Moon Girl and getting people ready for who this character is, where she's showing up, and maybe a new solo series coming up in the future. So this is going to be on sale August. And in the meantime, make sure you check out Miles Morales and Moon Girl number one, which will be coming up next month, June 22nd. Yeah. And for some comics that are on sale this week, first up, we've got Hulk versus Thor Banner. 
of War Alpha number one. Oh, the puns. Mm -hmm. uh, it kicks off the five-part crossover between the Hulk and Thor series created by Donny Cates and Martin Cocolo. And it's going to have key mysteries from both series that are going to be revealed as well as some shocking consequences for the future of both characters. Um, this is really fun. I mean, I think we've seen through the decades love a Hulk versus Thor moment. They love to like rip each other apart along with New York City. So I'm really excited to see where this story goes. Yeah. We've got Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number one. This is the newest in the line of anthology series where we get about three stories per issue where the colors that they use are only black, white, and red. And they get pretty gnarly and very creative with their use of red. A lot of time it's as the title tells you, blood. This one is cool. There's a story by Jonathan Hickman and Chris Bashalo about the Moon Knight of the future. There's a really cool story by Mark Guggenheim and Jorge Fornes who tell a Moon Knight story in reverse. And I was reading editor Tom Brevoort's newsletter and he said his main contribution to the story was calling it The End. So the title of the story is The End and then you start from there and you go nice. backwards. And I was like, Tom... You're friggin' great. But there's also a third story. It's the middle story in the book, and it honestly is my favorite of the three. It's by two kind of newcomers, definitely new to Marvel because this is their first Marvel story. They're two Nigerian comic book creators. They did a story on a, a digital platform, and they reached out to Tom. Tom read it, and he was like, yes. And he hired them to do a story here. Writer Murua Ayadele and Dotuna Kande. They get it. They feel like a team that has been doing comics together for a while, which they have been. And it's really, really fun. It's a story about Spider-Man and Moon Knight that's witty. It's silly. It's cool. It's big. It's action-packed. And honestly, The Rain, I was reading it, and I was like, this has Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey vibes yeah, in love a lot that. of ways. And I was like, I got to tell The Rain to read this one because yeah. it's really good. I think they're going to have more to come from Marvel in the future. Big careers ahead for those two. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have X-Men Red number one, which is going to launch Storm to Mars. The mutants of Araco, of course, you guys might remember it as Mars. They're, they've spent a millennia scarred by war, but on what was once Mars, they're learning to live in peace now on Araco. Yay. Now Storm knows this red planet needs something greater than a queen, but Abigail Brand, shifty shifty, has some other plans along with the unstable Summer's brother, which one could it be? In this case, it's Vulcan, who's on her side. And of course, Cable is keeping his own secrets. It sounds really fun. Always here for a storm story. And of course, that's written by Al Ewing with art by Stefano Caselli, which means it is well-written and beautiful. It is hot fire. The next issue has one of my favorite pages of Storm being like, you think you're hot stuff? No, I'm Storm. I'm the best. Here's I'm why. hot stuff. It's me, hot this stuff. This is why I'm scripting this series right now. <laughs> it's Storm just saying, I'm hot stuff, and then like snapping her fingers and lightning comes down. So yeah, X Office, I'm here for you when you need it. X-Men Red, super duper fun. Also great this week is Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number one by Tochiani Bucci and artist R.B. Silva. It's a hoot and a holler. It's Sam Wilson getting back in the swing of things as Captain America. He's joined by Falcon, aka Joaquin Torres, and it's got some Misty Knight in there. It's got mysteries. It's got Got some some really cool stuff. Great reveal at the end. So definitely check that out. Yeah. All right. That's a lot of stuff that's coming out this week. But uh, let's talk about a new character announcement. I wish that I could get away like an escapade. 
Um, yes. Escapade is, of course, her new superhero name. Her full name is Sheila Sexton, and she is going to debut in a 20-page story by Charlie Jane Anders, Rose Stein, and Ted Brandt in Marvel's Voices Pride, and then star in her own arc of New Mutants, which will be written by Charlie Jane, who is guesting for the storyline. Ryan, tell us a little bit about Miss Sheila Sexton. Yeah, Escapade is a new trans hero with these really cool powers, so she can instantaneously swap physical locations with another person or trade any specific physical or abstract attributes such as possessions and, and different things to use her power. So she has to be within seven feet to do the swap, but it's super cool. Like just the idea of like, we think about teleporting, but this is a different kind of teleporting. This is like a... a this is like the, quantum leap. Yeah. It, without the time thing, it's just a physical thing, but it's super cool. Also... Sheila has ties to D-Man in her origin and her story, which we're going to get more into as we get into this. So I automatically love her because I love D-Man and I think this character is going to be super fun. And so, yeah, definitely check out Marvel's Voices Pride coming for Pride next month. It's going to be great. And we're going to see more of this character in New Mutants. Yeah, but that is not enough comics for us. We need more, which is why we have Infinity Comics. Mm -hmm. um, you guys know what Infinity Comics are by now. If you are subscribed to Marvel Unlimited, if you have not yet subscribed to Marvel Unlimited, get your act together. Go subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, and then you can enjoy the wonderful digital-only comics that are scrolling comics, so they go up and down, and they're so delightful. And we have some new Infinity Comics on the scene, first and foremost, Patsy Walker. And I am so excited about this because I heard this comic get pitched, <laughs> essentially. When we were working on Marvel's Declassified, we were doing an interview with Trina Robbins, who is an absolute legend in the industry. Like, I cannot explain what an important woman of Marvel she is. She particularly documents women in comics, which there isn't a lot of documentation for women in comics. And it's really important. And I don't think that we would have the history that we do for women in comics if it were not for Trina Robbins, period. And when we were interviewing her about her work on Patsy Walker, who, of course, was an incredibly important character in Marvel's past, like Patsy Walker was essentially like the Spider-Man of her time. You know how Spider-Man has like a lot of titles and a lot of backing? That was Patsy Walker. She was one of the few characters that had multiple lines of comics, who was the star of her own titled books. Like she's a really big deal. And now Trina is writing Patsy Walker again. When we were interviewing her in Marvel's Declassified was when she first said, I would just love to write Patsy Walker comics again. And She's working with Derek Charm, who, of course, worked on Squirrel Girl, a perfect match, I think, tonally for how Trina writes. And she's taking Patsy back to her romance comic roots. You know, when Trina was really thriving on these stories, nobody knows how to write these stories like Trina did. Go check it out. It just came out yesterday on Marvel Unlimited. Big fan. I love me some Patsy Walker. I love me some Trina Robbins. I love me some Derek Charm. So I am living for it. Also, what dropped last week was a surprise release of an Infinity comic, Strange Tales, Clea, Wong, and America, which was released for Free Comic Book Day. It is written by Al Ewing with art by Ramon Box and Yala Tartaglia, which is super cool. You get a little bit of Clea, Wong, and America in Infinity comic. Everybody wins. Those are all on Marvel Unlimited. And also, if you missed this year's free comic book day issues, don't worry. They are now in Marvel Unlimited as well. So lots of comics to read. 
Yeah. All right. Moving on to podcast. Get out of here, you dang comics. Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show. You can now listen to the first four, one, two, three, four episodes of this wonderful, delightful, fabulous new podcast, Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show, wherever you get your podcast. Episode five is out coming this Monday for subscribers to the Sirius XM app and Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcast program. So definitely go listen. In fact, don't wait to go listen on your podcast. Listen to a little clippy clip right now. On the next episode of Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show. So I just realized I'm really getting used to this radio thing because I totally just discussed my love life live on air without thinking. So I would hereby like to apologize to Brad. I found a crazy machine and a mine shaft and I can't stop it. And I don't want to live in caveman times. Um, it's Busy Phillips and I just, well, I found out that I can talk to animals too. Oh my gosh, Busy Phillips, congratulations. Greetings! I am an anonymous yet innocent civilian caught in grievous conflict with a co-worker. Good luck with this one, Doreen. This is crazy. This isn't even art-related. Oh, but I thought I wasn't a serious threat. Data overload. Oh my god, that was so awkward. I love the show so much. Subscribe to Marvel Podcast Unlimited for episodes of the show one week early and for exclusive bonus content with friend of the show Tamara Krinsky hosting some great talent from the series and taking a look inside the show. So go listen, subscribe, please rate, like, share it with your best friend, and then learn more at marvel.com slash squirrel girl podcast if you still need to be convinced. Yeah, but we also have other podcasts to talk about because episode three of the Women of Marvel podcast came out for this new season. And again, a reminder, the season is all about our characters then and now. Previously, the show has talked about Captain Peggy Carter, Scarlet Witch. And now who are they talking about on the show this week, Lorraine? This week, it's Patsy Walker. Just like I was talking about her earlier, they're going to be talking about her pre-Hellcat days in romance comics and of course episodes are out every thursday on sirius xm marvel podcasts unlimited on apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods and then over on marvel's pull list official marvel podcast about marvel comics and this week is episode number 200 just like that we have that sound effect all running up and down the episode um and we are joined by writer jason aaron to talk about the first five issue arc of thor god of thunder called the god butcher that's not how i pronounce it how do you pronounce it the god butcher (laughs) (laughs) i wish that gore the god butcher sounded like that it's me gore the god butcher i'm gonna get you gods we'll talk about gore in a little bit more detail and maybe not get into that aspect of the character (laughs) but uh we've got the show is real fun big behind the scenes details with jason aaron also our picks of the week were two of the books that we talked about already captain america symbol of truth and hulk versus thor banner of war alpha number one plus x-men number 11 that book continues to be one of the greatest friggin' things on comic stands right now it's so damn good before we continue on we of course want to acknowledge the passing of george perez george perez was an artist a writer a role model and a friend his work paved seminal stories across comics and his legacy of kindness and generosity will never be forgotten 
Our family at Marvel mourns his loss today, and our hearts are with his family and loved ones. We all have memories of our favorite creators and the the stories that touched us. I've read a fair number of George Perez comics. I remember Infinity Gauntlet being the one, my first real experience with George's work that knocked me down and sort of changed the way I thought about comics and really has stuck with me for 30 plus years. And I wouldn't be alone in saying that, I'm sure. So George is sorely missed. All right, Lorraine, it is time for RPG Talk, one of your favorite things, because our guest this week is Matt Forbeck. Who's Matt? He's the game designer and writer of the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game, which is a new tabletop role-playing game where you essentially get to either use a character build of a Marvel character or you can create your own unique character and role-play with your friends. And all you need is a couple of dice and some imagination, which you know is my fave. Yeah. We want to give y'all a big deep dive into what the game is and behind the scenes of how it was made and one of the main creatives behind it, Matt Forbeck. So let's talk to him right now. Lorraine, 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 I feel like I want to give you the driver's seat to this conversation (gasps) in all the best ways because we are about to talk with Matt Forbeck, Marvel multiverse role-playing game designer, writer, man about town, and you are the RPG master on our squad. So please (laughs) take it away. Oh my gosh, Matt. What a delight. As Ryan said, I am what they call a game enthusiast, particularly of the tabletop variety. Ryan can kick my butt in a video game, but tabletops are my domain. What's your Marvel origin story? What's the first way you encountered the universe and the characters? I grew up reading Marvel comics, actually. Uh, One of the first things my parents taught me how to read on was comic books. In fact, I remember reading a Spidey comics, which were put out by the Electric Company way back in the day, which was the show that came on after Sesame Street, if you're my age. And Spidey, like number six or seven or something like that, I remember seeing him clinging on the wall, this yellow cover, and Easy Reader was on the front saying, reading is cool, right? And years later, we discovered that Easy Reader is actually Morgan Freeman. And he was that was one of his <laughs> early roles. And now he's the voice of God and everything else. So. But yeah, I've been reading Marvel comics since I was very young, like three years old. Just adore the stuff. I've worked on a bunch of different comic book games. And over the years, Marvel games, both online for MMOs and for tabletop games like Marvel Heroes Battle Dice for Playmates Toys that came out many years ago. Mm-hmm. So for me, working on a Marvel RPG is, you know, it's the climax of a lot of dreams all come together at once. For our listeners, I want to make sure that they understand the importance of Spidey Super Stories. Issue 39 is the first appearance of the Thanos Copter, one of the greatest <laughs> pieces of Marvel lore, which has already made it into the MCU that we all know. So, yeah, Spidey Super Stories, it's like the third time it's come up in conversations I've had in the last week. It's tremendous. It makes me really happy to hear someone mention that stuff. Oh, it's classic stuff. It really is fantastic. Yeah. I adored it. So for any of our listeners who don't know, can you explain what is a role-playing game, specifically the type of role-playing game we're talking about here? Because I'll be honest, I'm a novice in this realm. Sure. If you've never heard of a role-playing game before, you've probably heard of Dungeons & Dragons, which is the most famous one, and the first one, the original role-playing game. But a role-playing game is essentially a game where a bunch of people sit around a table, one person plays 
the entire world, they're like the narrator of a story like Stan Lee used to do in the comic books, right? Like, and here we're going over to see Daredevil and Hell's Kitchen or whatever. And then each of the other players at the table takes on the role of a particular character. In the Marvel game, they can play one of the famous Marvel characters, or you can actually create your own to work alongside them or to fight the Marvel villains, which is kind of fun. And the rules of the game are basically there just to say, what happens if I try something that who knows what the hell is going to happen? So if you think about cops and robbers when you're a kid and you're like, boom, 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 I shot you. No, you didn't. The dice and the rules are there to help you when you get to those no, you didn't moments, right? <laughs> so yeah, I shot you. Let's roll the dice. Let's figure out what happens. Oh, you got me. Okay. And we move on from there. We see how the story develops. So that's where the game part comes into it, really. And these games started out as miniatures games, like with little Napoleonic miniatures. Like, And now we just do it all in our heads, too. We can do theater of the mind stuff. We're just chatting with people. And you don't even need to roll dice if you're really good at it and you practice with your friends. You can just do it through a conversation. It's incredible. I was sitting having lunch with my daughter and my wife right before we recorded. And I looked at my daughter, who's two and a half. I was like, Catherine. This is a game where we use our imagination and mm -hmm. we tell stories and we get to be superheroes. And it's like the coolest thing in the world. And I, Lorraine, I actually said to her, Auntie Lorraine is going to teach you all about this really <laughs> soon. It's going to be great. Perfect. We've already played some role-playing games, really, because we've played some make-believe, which is pretty close, mm -hmm. pretty close. It's just with more structure. I know that that's something that I love about role-playing games. It's sort of like getting to embody the character, getting swept up in it, you don't really realize like what an endorphin high it sort of is to just like play around in that world. What attracted you to role-playing games, Matt? And oh, yeah, that's making a good me want to work on this as a job. <laughs> well, yeah, I started out, I grew up in Southern Wisconsin, which is actually where I live now. I moved back here after I went to college and wandered around for a bit. And Southern Wisconsin is where role-playing games started, believe it or not. They began a little town called Lake Geneva, which is essentially Chicago's vacation land, right? All the people from Chicago, including Al Capone, used to come up here on vacation every summer. And Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson from up in Minneapolis area started this game, God, it's going to be almost 50 years ago now. It started out in 74. And having grown up here, a friend's mom bought a copy of Dungeons & Dragons for him as a blue light special at Kmart, which, you know, none of these things exist anymore, right? But <laughs> that summer, we're like, okay, we're going to go play this game. We're going to see how it works. And I just fell in love with it. We just had such a great time rolling up all these different wizards and thieves and fighters and everything else and fighting in these dungeons. And then I got to go to my first convention here in Beloit, Wisconsin, where I'm from. And Gary Gygax showed up and signed books. And Gary's one of the inventors of the game. And I got hooked on it. I started going to conventions. Eventually, what happened is I started deciding that I wanted to do this for a living. My dad one day said, you know, I think after my sophomore year in high school, said, you either need to go get a job or start a business. And I'm like, man, I don't want to work for anybody else. So I actually started <laughs> what we would call a zine nowadays about gaming. And I had my own booth at Gen Con when I was 17 years old, telling people about the new things coming out and coming up with new expansions for different things. And that kind of wound up into me falling in with the wrong crowd. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> or the right crowd. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And, and eventually making a career out of this. When I was fresh out of college, I wanted to go to Europe. I didn't know anybody in Europe except this one kid that was an exchange student when I was in high school. He was from Spain, but I didn't have any money to go see him. So I got a student work visa with the closest country that had work visas of which I spoke the language, which happened to be the UK. I fly over to... London on a one-way ticket my dad got me as my graduation present. I land there and I call up Games Workshop on just a, a lark and they offer me an interview and I go in there and I interview with them. I'm wearing a suit and tie and everybody's wearing, you know, t-shirts and shorts and paint everywhere. 
And they offered me the job. And I actually ended up working there for six months. They offered me a full-time position after that was all done with. But my girlfriend back in Ann Arbor was like, oh, you know, I got another couple of years of college here. We're going to have to break up. Then I'm like, well, I quit. And I just oh. uh, wandered back. I came back on Valentine's Day, 1990. That's now my wife will be married 30 years this summer and the mother of our five children. So it worked out pretty well for us. Aww. That's a good choice to make. The dice rolled properly on that yeah, one. So. Exactly. And you don't know at that time, right? Like, oh, I could have screwed it all up. And, you know, I actually founded my own company back in the mid-90s called Pinnacle Entertainment Group, which we did a game called Deadlands and had a ball doing this. But I've always been part of tabletop games. Let's dive a little bit into the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game. What is it about? What can you tell us about sort of the story in the world that you're creating there? Yeah, the Marvel Multiverse game is currently we're doing what's called a playtest book, which is something that's unusual, but it's been happening more and more often, especially with larger companies like Wizards of the Coast and Paizo. You put out a book or you put out some rules and you say, hey, guys, we want this to be the best it possibly can be. So we're going to show you what we're planning on. We want you to tell us two things, the parts you love about it and the parts you hate about it, what you think is broken, right? And a lot of people think when they're playtesting, they're just supposed to point out the things that are wrong, right? And that's great feedback. We love all that stuff, right? But we also want to know the parts that you love because the tendency when you're a designer or a writer or an artist or whatever, if people just tell you what they hate, you tend to throw out everything with it, right? And they can say, no, but this part here is gold. Keep that. That's what we also want to hear, right? Because we want to make sure we keep the best parts as well. But it's a game in which you could play a Marvel superhero, essentially. And it's currently a 120-page book. In 2023, we're going to come out with like a 300, 400-page massive knock-your-neighbor-over kind of book. But it's a game in which you could play a Marvel character. And we, in the playtest edition, we've got 11 different characters, ranging from like Spider-Man all the way up to Captain Marvel that you can pick up and play. But you can also create your own characters. So if you've got your idea for the kind of superhero you want to play, you can sit down and come up with your own character and play them alongside current Marvel characters or classic Marvel characters. Or if you don't even want to bother with that, you can just fight Marvel villains, right? Or if the Game Master, which we call the narrator in this game, wants to, they can come up with their own villains. And then you're just playing whatever game you want to with your own heroes and villains in the Marvel Universe, right? And the neat thing about that is because Marvel is so pervasive nowadays, because everybody who's involved in pop culture nowadays understands Marvel. They've seen Marvel movies and TV shows and hopefully read comics and played games too. So if somebody says it's a helicarrier or a shield, you know what they're talking about, right? If they say, well, you know, you're going past the Baxter building and, you know, Tony Stark flies overhead in his Iron Man armor, you know what that means. So we have that level of commonality that people can build off of and then build their own stories on it, whether they're trying to replicate something that's already been done or they're trying to come up with something entirely original of their own, they get to play with that tool set. And my job as a game designer is to make those tools accessible and easy for people so they can come up with their own stories, right? I'm not here to dictate a story to you. I'm here to give you the tools you need to create your own tales. Now, part of that will often be us coming up with adventures for people to play through. So in the playtest book, we have a very short adventure that allows you to get started. And then when we come up with the actual game, we're going to have a full thick book of adventures for people to play through at different ranks as well, different levels of play. So that if you want to play Daredevil in the street, you can do that. If you want to play Captain Marvel in the cosmos, you can do that too. Mm. I follow a GM online 
who calls it stars and wishes. And <laughs> they recommend at the end of a game to ask, what were your stars and wishes? What was the starring moments of the game? Like, where were you really just having a blast? And what were your wishes that you wish it would have been a little easier this way or that way or whatever? So if people have those stars and wishes, how do you get that feedback? How do people feed back to you so you can make it better and greater and bigger and more? That's a great question. I have people <laughs> poking me every possible way right now. They email me, they hit me on Twitter, <laughs> They've been on Facebook, but whatever. Like, guys, we actually have an official venue for this. You go to marvel.com slash RPG and you scroll down a little bit. It says submit feedback. Go there. There's a whole form you can actually fill out. It says, what did you like? You can rank things in different ways. You can say, yeah, I hated this. That four-back guy, he's terrible. Don't don't work with him. Or, oh, he's he's my dad. You know, you have to work with him. So whatever there's works for you. Yeah, there's five chances that could be There's five chances that could happen. And there's a lot of liars out there. So it could actually be bigger. We don't know. It's... So the best way to get feedback is to submit it officially that way, right? That means that we're legally allowed to look at it. If you have great ideas you want to submit, we can use those ideas. So I'm not going out there like, you know, scouring the internet, trying to steal ideas from people. We don't want to do that. We've got plenty of great ideas on our own. Go through the Marvel website at marvel.com slash RPG. And that would be fantastic. We'd love to hear all that stuff. I mean, Stars and Wishes is a great way to put it too, right? Because again, it's like, these are the things that I just adored. These are the things I want to be better. You two mentioned the Game Master, the GM. Can you go in a little bit more into what that means for the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game and, and how that'll affect gameplay? Sure. One of the big secrets about role-playing games is they only really need to have one person at the table who understands the rules. That's usually the Game Master, right? And the Game Master will say, roll the dice. Oh, no, you didn't hit her. Oh, yeah, you did hit. In our game, we call them the narrator. Right, just like you would have a narrator in comics, or whatever, or in a story, and their job is to present the world to you and the situations that come up in it. In the original adventure that we have in the playtest book, essentially the characters are all at the Avengers mansion. They're either Avengers or people who are trying out to be the Avengers. If you have new characters that you're bringing in or discussing with them that they might become Avengers, right? And then they get a call saying, "Oh my God, there's a hostage situation down at uh, Empire State University at the." Howard and Maria Stark building for intergalactic research. And you're like, oh, we got to go check this out and figure out what's going on. And you go there and you're like, I'm not going to spoil too much, but there, you know, there's Hydra is taking hostages there. And it's your job to get the hostages free. And then, of course, everything spirals out of control from there. The narrator's job is to understand that story and then present it to the players. Here's what's going on. And then the main question the narrator always asks is, what do you want to do now? Right. Like, oh, oh, you've just discovered that this is happening. What do you want to do now? OK, we're going to go to our state. You see the Hydra people in the windows and they're on the second and third floors, but nobody's on the first floor. Maybe you want to go into the roof. What do you do now? And you just let the players come up with their answers to that. I've had adventures for other games and for this game as well that I've run dozens of times. And I tell you, the players will surprise you with a different solution just about every time, right? Nothing you plan will come true. You're like, oh, I got this great yeah. idea how it's all going to go. No, 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 no. No. If, if <laughs> no plan survives contact with the enemy, don't consider your players to be the enemy, but they are in this case, right? They just, they will just shatter it to pieces. But that's part of the fun is being able to improvise that then and say, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, let's see what could happen then, right? And again, my job as the writer or the designer of these things is to say, I don't know what's going to happen because you got different players here. Different things are going to happen. They're going to come up with things I couldn't possibly have thought about. But I want to give you a large enough framework and a firm enough framework that you can then improvise off that and speak authoritatively whether or not you actually know what's going on. You can speak like you do and help these people enjoy their adventure. Right? That's really your, my job and the narrator's job. My job is to help the narrator 
feel prepared and feel like they can actually handle those kind of situations. I love what you said so much because I've been a part of so many games where admittedly sometimes we had too many people who were literal rogues, which just makes a game impossible to play. But I think that's kind of the fun of playing the game is seeing where it can go. And, you know, I know you said there's kind of one main adventure in the playtest rule book, but there's going to be more coming in the full book. Is that going to be kind of a story that builds upon itself and it's going in a linear fashion or is it sort of disparate games and stories and and gameplay? The idea is that we're going to do a separate adventure anthology that will be a pretty thick book and it'll have separate adventures for different ranks of characters. So the game characters are ranked anywhere from rank one all the way up to rank 25 and actually can go higher, right? But those are the ones that we're talking about right now. And every five ranks is like a geographic growth, right? So if you're rank five, you're like Daredevil working in Hell's Kitchen. If you're rank 10, you're protecting Manhattan. If you're rank 15, you're talking about a country. 20 is a world. 25 is a section of the galaxy. So these give you rough ideas about who you are and what kind of adventure you're going to have. So the adventure anthology will have an adventure for rank five, 10, 15, and 20, maybe 25, right? And the idea is that if you're coming up with your own characters, you can actually play those at different levels if you want to. You can actually adventure through all those. Or if you just want to sit down and play different one-shot adventures with whatever Marvel characters you want to, which we'll have supplied as well, you can do that too. And there actually is a link to the story between them all. But it's going to work kind of like uh, Marvel's that Kurt Busiek's writing right now, right? Where you kind of see all these different angles of a story But maybe it's not just one character going through it. It's a lot of different characters, right? So you have the choice then of playing through it as one-shots from different characters or leveling up through it as you go and playing all the way from rank 1 to rank 25. And, you know, this might be something you do interstitial with your other adventures that your, your narrator is coming up with for you. So we're trying to have it both ways. We're trying to have it be something where this is a one shot where you can do all sorts of different levels and have fun and you don't have to worry about it. And if you just want to play one of them, it's fine. It's still going to be fun. But if you want to play it through all of them, it could be this fantastic campaign that will take you all the way from your origin story to helping save the galaxy. Love it. One of the the pieces of this is the D616 system. Can you tell us about that and what that is? Because yeah. I know in the book, we, we see some cool aspects of that. Yeah, the D616 system is this innovative thing. My co-designer, Mike Caps, was one of the guys, and John Nee, who was publisher of Marvel at the time, helped us come up with this. And the idea is that you roll three dice, you know, three standard six-sided dice, right? And they go from one to six, except that one of them is the Marvel die. That can be a different color or it can have a symbol on the one, however you want to differentiate. Just be able to, when you roll it, you need to be able to look and say that one there. And if that Marvel die comes up as a one, something special happens. So the top roll you can get in the game is actually six on either of the two dice and a one on the Marvel die. And that gives you a 616. Obviously, that's because the Marvel Universe is Earth 616, right? We're kind of alluding to that. So if something special happens, that Marvel die comes up, that means it's a fantastic roll which means that it can actually trigger off a power or something else can happen. You can maybe do double damage with your power or whatever it is. A lot of the powers actually have special features that are only triggered off by fantastic rolls. So it's like, wow, I did this thing, but I got a fantastic roll. Now this really incredible thing happens on top of it, right? And that can be kind of exciting for people and you can try to generate those happening. The trouble, of course, is that that only happens one in six times and maybe you want to have it happen this one time and you really got to punch Thanos out. So if you really want to do those things, you can actually affect those dice rolls by using what we call edges and troubles, right? So edges are something where, like, it's not just that I'm going to punch Thanos. I'm going to sneak up on Thanos from behind in the dark under the cloak of silence with a rock band going over here so he can't possibly know I'm coming, right? 
And that might give you extra edges so that every time you get an edge, you get to re-roll one of your dice. And it gives you another chance to get that fantastic result. And then there are troubles. Like, say I'm, I'm trying to punch out Thanos, but he sees me coming. He's got laser-guarded missiles coming at me. I'm being held down by chains. And, you know, all these other problems are happening. It's in a rainstorm. Then you have troubles, right? And you have to balance those out to see, have you done better planning or are the circumstances working against you worse? And then you get to see if you get edges or troubles on that roll. So the villains, or the narrator in this case, because you're controlling the villains, they might work the circumstances against you. You as the hero might try to work the circumstances for you, and that'll help you determine what happens there. There's also this mechanic we came up with, oh, well, we, didn't, we stole it from the original Marvel role-playing game, and it's this mechanic called karma. So if you're a hero, you have access to karma because you've been doing heroic things and you're, you're helping the world. So you can actually use your karma points to give yourself an automatic edge on a dice roll and then re-roll one of those dice and hopefully change them into something that's going to help you out. I just want to thank you on the behalf of tabletop game players everywhere for making a one a good thing. <laughs> like anybody who plays tabletop games knows sometimes you the dice are not in your favor. You keep rolling ones and you're just like, why am I ruining my own game? <laughs> exactly. So finally, a one could be a good thing. You're welcome, universe. That's awesome. I also really love that there's like a lot more chances to have those fun additional ability moments, which I feel like are really rare in a lot of games where you have to like work really hard. You have to have some sort of magical special ability, which is can be fun, but it's so clutch when you need those things, you right. know, to have that kind of stuff at your dispense. Now, how did you decide on D6? And do you have like a million bajillion dice from... <laughs> oh. Gosh, yes. Like a, a Scrooge McDuck vault of dice, per chance? You could almost go swimming in them. We'll just put up the ball pit over here and fill it with dice, right? Yeah. One of the reasons we went with the D6s, as they call the standard cube dice, is because we know that everybody has them. If you get to a certain age in this country, you've got six-sided dice lying around, right? It doesn't matter if you're stealing them from your Monopoly game or your Yahtzee game or your mom is playing craps in the back hall. We don't know what the hell it is, but you got the dice. <laughs> Plus, you know, we wanted to come up with a curve for what we're doing. The range on, a, on rolling 3d6 is 3 to 18, right? Which is kind of, stay, if you're playing D&D, &D, you understand you know, you're rolling 1 to 20, right? But that's a flat curve where everything is equally likely to happen. And the way when you roll 3d6, you get what's called a bell curve. So the numbers in the middle are actually more common, right? And part of the game is that you're able to not only have a little bit stronger feeling for where your potential lies and what's more likely to happen, but because the edges and troubles, you can actually make those things happen, right? A lot of times you're like, oh, I don't care if I hit the guy or maybe I'm just trying to cross the street or fly over here or whatever. No problem. But when those clutch moments happen where you just got to make it happen, you don't say, oh, and I missed. Let's go for next time. You're like, no, no, this is it. You prepared everything for this. And we want to be able to have that kind of focus on it. And we think the mechanics lead people to those moments. That's really what we're trying to help out. How many people do you advise should play one round of this game? Is it, you know, two, four, six, eight, 150? You can literally have as many people as you want. However, you always have a narrator, the person who's running the game, and then you can have minimum one other player. I mean, you can play by yourself, but it's not as exciting. You know, you're like, okay, I'll just, you might as well just read a book then, right? Or a comic. But uh, if you're playing one-on-one, -on -one, you can do that. You can have some amazing adventures. It's like having a solo comic book, right? You know, it's just Spider-Man as opposed to the Avengers at this moment, right? But then when you want to do the amazing crossover, everything's happening all at once. The Avengers are coming to town with the Guardians of the Galaxy, everything. That's when you want to have more players. Normally, for most game masters or most narrators, your ability to keep everybody entertained at the table maxes out around six or eight people, depending on what your skill level is, right? 
you want everybody at the table to feel like they're important, that their character matters, that they each get their moment in the spotlight, right? But if you start, you know, saying, okay, we're going to do a four-hour session and we've got 20 players, not everybody's going to have very long in the spotlight and you end up sitting around watching other people play. But if you have anywhere from six to eight players, six is a really good number for people, five to six, if you're starting out as a narrator, that's a great number. But once you start getting like above 10, even really experienced game masters have a hard time at that point. Yeah, it's a lot to track. And also it's a long time to wait, especially if somebody doesn't know what their abilities are yet. Exactly, so speaking right? from experience. You've talked a lot about different characters you can play. What characters are in the playtest book? Are there any characters you might be able to tease for the future? And how did you decide on those characters? The playtest book, the way we decided what the characters were going to be is that my friends at Marvel decided to come up with a cover for it. I said, oh, those are the characters we have to have in the book, right? So, <laughs> Easy. We had been talking about it ahead of that. But once I saw the cover, I'm like, no matter what we do, whatever, whoever's on the cover, we have to have their profile in the book. So on the cover, you have Iron Man, you have Miles Morales, Spider-Man, you have Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Captain America, Wolverine, Thor, Storm, Rocket, and Groot, and Black Panther, and Captain Marvel. I think that's all 11 of them. We came up with character profiles for each one of those that are in the book. You can just pop them out and play literally. If you're using like Demiplane or Roll20, you can just grab those as well. So we have two electronic partners we're working with, Demiplane and Roll20. Roll20 does the virtual tabletop. So if you're playing on a grid that you... And the game can be played either Theater in the Mind or on a grid. So like a miniatures game would be played. And Theater of the Mind means you're just using your imagination, right? If you want to play with people who are not in the same room with you, like anywhere in the world, Roll20 is a great option for that. If you want to just have the rules in a really easy, digestible format that works well on your phone, Demiplane is fantastic for that. And they have some great communications tools for that as well, too. So when you sit down and play the game, you can play any one of those characters and run with them. Or you can actually come up with your own character. There are character sheets in the back of the book, so you can just transfer stuff over. You can write them up however you want. There's actually a full character creation example in the book as well for an original character called Young Lion that I came up with specifically for this book. It was inspired by the New York City library lions that are sitting out in front and researching there and you suddenly get your superpowers. And what does that mean for you as a character? How do you come up with that character and how do you define them? And that's all explained in the book for you as well. Very cool. When you play, do you have a particular character you like to play as? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Spider-Man. I always have been. One of those early Spidey stories all the way on. Although I'll tell you, now one of my favorite characters, I wrote a Captain America book for DK Publishing that came out five, six years ago. I think they've got a new edition that just came out last year. So Cap is my second favorite, if not first favorite character, depending what day of the week it happens to be. But I'll play anybody. I don't care who it is. Groot, whatever. I'll say I am Groot the entire time and have a ball doing it. <laughs> I love it. What kind of age range would you recommend this game? play for i assume that Catherine grace ryan's daughter who is two and a half now this is probably a little too little for this maybe a little young no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what sort of age range would you recommend for this there's some double digit math in it that's about the most complicated thing right so if you're able to add you know 25 and 14 then you can play the game and even then you're or if you have a calculator if you have a calculator or somebody who's just <laughs> who could just look at there and go boom what's that put you at about uh 10 and up, I think, easy, right? Even if you have a really precocious eight-year-old, they could probably play it, right? Or even younger if you really want to. All right, so I have a copy of D&D upstairs. I've cracked it open a little bit, but it's been a while. So what recommendations would you have for me or anybody else who'd be getting into this for the first time? I'd say just sit down and read the book through. I mean, it's 120 pages and most of it you don't need to actually read through. A good chunk of it is character profiles, 
and power systems, right? So if you're thinking about Dungeons and Dragons, the power sets and then powers that come below that, right? So you can pick your power sets, like I want spider powers or I'm a shield bearer like Captain America, so I'm gonna use shield bearer powers. They're like wizard spells or feats in other games, right? So if you're playing a wizard in Dungeons and Dragons, you don't have to know every spell in the book. You just have to know the ones you're using right then. So you can actually just read like the first half of the book or even the first quarter of the book. And that should really get you down. We're hoping to do some actual play streams at some point in the future where we'll be able to have people show you how to play too, which would be fantastic fun. And, you know, it's not that complicated. And like I said before, you really only need one person in the room who knows how to play the game and they'll teach you. If you're just trying to get into yourself and you don't know anybody who plays games, just sit down and read the book. It's you know pretty easy, light read. There's a lot of great Marvel artwork in that. One of the things we were talking about when I was first coming up with the game, they're like, how many words are going to be in a page? We're like, we don't care. We're just putting lots of great artwork in there. I'm like, because, you know, we have some of the best artwork in the world to draw from. Why would we not showcase some of that? So it's a fairly light and easy read. But you could also, if you know somebody who plays games, buy them a copy of the book and hand it to them, right? And say, here, I want to play this game. You're going to run this game for me. Yeah, it's the perfect, like, friend gift. It is $9.99. You can get copies for everyone you know. Yeah, I actually know a lot of people out there playing the game. They're like, I bought eight copies for me and my entire group. I'm like, oh, great. You know, you only needed one, but thank you. And this means that <laughs> at the table, everybody can just look at their own character. They can flip through to whatever they want to. One of the neat things about doing that, too, is if you if everybody's got a copy of the rules and they've looked them over before they step up to the table, they already have a pretty good idea of what they need to do when they come up to the game. And you can just jump right in and play. I love that because every friend group has the rules friend. Yeah. I am usually the rules friend, but no, it, it varies. Really? <laughs> Can you imagine? But, you know, it's like the one person who really wants to play the game the most and <laughs> knows all the intricacies of the rules and will spend the time. And I love that because, you know, it just makes it so much easier for everybody else to play like when I was new playing RPGs, I definitely had a rules friend who would be like, you can't do that, but you can use your bonus like this. And it's <laughs> it's the best. It is. But, you know, there's so much thought that goes into game mechanics, you know, and, and how the heck do you make this game? Obviously, it's a, a lengthy process <laughs> and a lot of trial and error, I imagine. But what is the process from sort of just an overarching view of what is it like to create a tabletop RPG? Creating tabletop games, games of any kind, but especially tabletop games is always interesting. Usually I start out with an idea. Now that I've been doing it a long time, I, I start out with the idea of the product in mind, right? Like, what are we trying to produce that we're going to be able to sell? And what do I think people want to play? What would I want to play as a fan of this product, right? Or as a fan of this genre? And then you sit down and you come up with the stuff and then you play it. And normally what I'll do is I'll I'll literally play the game by myself. If it's a board game or a card game, I will set it up and go around the table and play each of the different positions, right? If it's a role-playing game, I do the same thing. I'll actually just sit down and say, okay, what happens if Spider-Man does this now? And then you realize you screwed something up terribly and have to throw it all away. This is almost exactly what happens every time, right? And you're like, okay, this is bad, but why is it bad and how can I make it better? And then you keep doing this until you're comfortable enough with it, you're not ashamed to show it to somebody else, right? <laughs> and then you're like, okay, then you bring in a friend who, you know, won't at least out you publicly about how terrible this is. And those are the good friends, right? Once you get through that a few times, you're like, okay, yeah, you're right. That doesn't work. How do I do this? Once your friend says, I think you can show this to people, then we do what's called warm play testing, where I would bring in people who maybe I don't know, but I'm in the room with them and I teach them how to play. Sometimes they would give me feedback. Sometimes just watching them play and try to figure it out would be the feedback that I needed. I would say, okay, they're not getting this part. Something's wrong with that part. They're confused about this. They're struggling with that part. 
Then we go into what's called cold play testing, which is where you send the game to somebody and you're not in the room and you have no idea what's going to happen. And essentially, that's what we're doing with the playtest rulebook right now is sending it out to, you know, tens of thousands of people at once and trying to get feedback from folks. And at every level you do this, you're trying to iterate, figure out where problems are and make it better. And the idea is that, you know, you want this to be the best game it possibly can be. Not because you're so concerned about the product and the money or whatever, but because you want it to be the most fun for everybody involved. And if you can do that, my opinion is that if you make a great game, it's an easy sell from that point. It's something that you can be proud of and show to your family and your kids and your whoever else, anybody in the world for decades to come, you can be proud of what you did. And hopefully by doing these iterations like this, it works. And you want the thing to fail. You know, people are like, oh, it needs to be perfect. I'm like, no, no, no. Put out your unpolished efforts when you're doing the first few rounds, especially because if you think it's so perfectly polished that it cannot be any better, then when somebody tells you that you're wrong, you're going to take it very personally. Let it suck. Let it be awful. The more work you put into it and the more polished it is, the more tight you're going to be about whether or not you think any changes should be made. That's very good advice for whether you're writing a game or a book or a movie. <laughs> That is excellent, excellent advice. The full game a ways away, but let's give everybody one more reminder. Go to marvel.com slash RPG to give us your feedback because you got to go out there. You got to get the book. Again, it's only 10 bucks. Just like buy a smaller coffee at whatever weirdo coffee place you're going to, Lorraine, then buy a copy of the book. Personally, Lorraine Sink. Yeah, (laughs) Lorraine, you got to buy all the copies. This was super fun. A ding dang delight. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's always a delight. To learn more, go to marvel.com slash RPG. And of course, if you're already doing the play test, if you've already got the book and you want to send feedback, go over to that spot and give them that official feedback so they can use it to make the game even better when the official, official rulebook does come out. I am getting Ryan to play a game of this with me. It will happen or I will die trying. Please don't die. There's no resistance on my end. Who will I have to murder? Wow. Too much? Got really I, I guess everybody. heroes don't murder. Who do I have to poke with a stick until they are cajoled? <laughs> well, I guess we're going to find out in due time but before we find that out let's get ready for next week because next week on the show we're gonna have some folks from marvel studios doctor strange in the multiverse of madness wanted to give a little bit of a break between the releases of the film and doing these because we don't want to spoil too much but by that time you'll have all seen the movie like five times right right all right so last week we asked you about the film so we'll get into that in our community section shortly but Right now, our question of the week is going to be tied to the Marvel Multiverse RPG. What character do you want to roleplay as in the Marvel Multiverse RPG? What Marvel character would you want to roleplay as? I think that's like the fun thing about cosplay. I think that's the fun thing about, you know, all the video games we were talking about with new skins and new characters you can play as, as well as this RPG. It's just really fun to inhabit those characters and get to play as them and Spoiler alert, that's all our writers are doing all the time. (laughs) They are just role playing like, what would that character say? Oh, I think they'd say this. And that is, I think, half the fun. I think for me, I want to play She-Hulk, but I want to play her like Hulk, (laughs) like baby Hulk brain. Because that is one of my favorite things is playing a woman who's an absolute palooka. I love playing big barbarian women in my video games when given the choice. So... 
I just love to smash stuff when I play games. I either want to play super sneaky and be like a black widow or a black cat, you know, like super stealthy and sneaky and stabby. Or I want to play a big lady who's just going to crush everything in her wake. It's so fun. I like that. Of course, I want to make a build of Modoc, but I also, I have a character created for our video series that we did here at Marvel oh, yeah. a couple of years ago. The Marvel Make, Make Me, Me a, a Hero. hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looks like a pro wrestler from the 80s with a giant like battle cat. You kind of look like a souped up Fred Flintstone because I think you're wearing like leopard print or something. Yeah. He's wearing a pair of Zubas and it's tremendous and a fanny pack and he's got his big swole muscles and he's great. So I'd probably work on a build of that character. But of course, you can tweet us your answers using the hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com. Or you could send us a message on our Facebook page, which you should totally like, facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. And of course, please tell us if it is quote unquote okay to read. So then we can go and we can read it on the show like we're about to in our community section right now. So our question of the week last week was, what are you most excited to see in Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? No spoilers. So let's get into it. There might be some gentle spoilers in here, but we're really trying to keep those to a minimum. So if you haven't seen the film, it's probably not going to ruin your experience any more than just like seeing the trailer. Yeah, there you go. First up was Lee Travis at Lee Travis, who said, excited that Sam Raimi got to bring horror to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And also shout out to Lee, who is the social manager for Nerdist and just the best, just the sweetest little peanut. Big fan. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm so glad we have horror in like the MCU. It's so good. So next up, we've got Jody at Tolkien Fan Forever. Had the pleasure of seeing Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness last night, and it was terrific. Really enjoyed all the punchy punches and madcap action. Oh, and that actor with that cameo was amazing. No, not that one. The other one. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done. Extremely well done. A plus. Well said, Jody. Joe Mark Magbanua at Joe Mark underscore Magbanua says, it's not a what, it's a who. And that is Mother Herself, the Scarlet Witch. Yes. Mm -hmm. Living for it. G at GCO6172 said, Seeing Elizabeth Olsen continued evolution of Wanda Maximoff slash the Scarlet Witch and seeing her character fully realized and headstrong amongst other amazing magic wielders for sure. Also, Sam Raimi's insane visuals and horror themes brought into the MCU. I just think that the number one thing Ryan and I, when we had our 45 minute <laughs> like <laughs> chat through everything we thought about the film was we were just like, it's a Sam Raimi movie, <laughs> which is my favorite. All right. Next up, we've got Erod at Erod Buster One. Wizard Nanigans <laughs> on NYC Streets. Vintage Marvel, baby. I mean, I love a Doctor Strange like crushing Greenwich Village. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I think I'm going to email Kevin Feige and be like, hey, if you need a subtitle for the next Doctor Strange film, how about Wizard Nanigans? (laughs) Because that's so good. (laughs) All right. Brian Stranko at Brian Stranko. Hey, Brian. I'm starting to feel like MCU phase four is therapy based. Sam and Bucky have couples therapy. Loki talks out his issues with Mobius and learns to love himself. Wanda processes grief, Moon Knight reconciles opposing aspects of himself, and Strange... Spoilers. Hmm. 
I love that. And I, I think that's a really cool take. And like somebody yeah. should write their thesis on it. Because I do think characters usually need to evolve or learn throughout a story, right? Like that's kind of the dramatic arc is like, I want something. Did I get it? And what did I learn from it? And I think it's really nice that we live in a world where people acknowledge that they have problems and that they need mental help because all people have problems and all people need help, period. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got Kimio Bishop at Asuna San 19, who says an incredible movie that really impressed me from the beginning. Those characters were unexpected to me. And the climax of the movie, just head exploding emoji, my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the kind of movie where you want to sit with like a friend or a loved one so you can grab their hand over and over again. <laughs> yeah. All right, next up, we've got Raphael Michelangelo Perry, who said Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was amazing. Everyone should go see it. That is all. Also, we got one more in from Raphael, who asked, are you both pronouncing Clea right? You know, it's interesting because when something has only been written, it's hard to say what's correct. Yeah, and our incredible producer, Isabel, went to one of our editors behind the comics working on the current Strange series where Clea stars and the editor says Clea so that's what we're going with right now Clea it is yeah all right and this is an email from Grayson Woznesensky who says is this a valid answer everything p.s. I got more <laughs> cards in the works Grayson did all those cool Deadpool cards oh from that's Squirrel right Girl. yeah yeah so I want to get into our next message, which is from Phil Vasquez, who says, Hey, Ryan and Lorraine, longtime listener, first time emailer. And by long, I mean for the past year, I missed a few weeks and just finished binging six episodes in the background as I worked. Thanks to lockdown, I delved a whole lot more into podcasts and this show and all the audio dramas Marvel's put out scratches that itch that I needed, especially now with Marvel's Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio mm. show. I need more. <laughs> I wanted to express how thankful I am that you two do what you do. I'm a lifelong Marvel fan and hope to work for Marvel someday as an artist. It's kind of my dream. I keep trying, but fear I'm not good enough. Your conversations are so cheerful and upbeat, and the interviews are always so fun and informative. I can't get enough, and I've started digging into the really old episodes <laughs> pre-pandemic. As a thank you, I made you a gift attached to the email and hope you enjoy it as much as I did making it. Cheers. P.S. I learned that Lorraine is an alumni of the UArts, University of the Arts, as am I. It's really awesome to see fellow UArtsians doing amazing things. Congratulations on all your success. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Phil drew us. It's like we're going through the Rainbow Bridge, like we're in the Bifrost. I am carrying a very wonderful Mjolnir and we are <laughs> traveling through and Ryan's got like a short box of comics. The lid has flown back into the Bifrost and it's got the This Week in Marvel logo. I love it so much. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And also, hey, you arts, what's up? <laughs> Tweet at me. I want to know more. <laughs> the art is so good, Phil. We rarely get fan art and it brings so much joy. So thank you. Here's an email from Henrik Hansen, which says, Dear Ryan and Lorraine, thanks for the shout out. I love your show and look forward to it every Friday. I work odd hours and was able to see the 10.30 a.m. screening of Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness yesterday. I was not spoiled. I will not spoil. I will pay it forward. 
I loved this movie. It paid off so many things, including some TV content from lockdown. It was laugh out loud, hilarious and properly creepy and spooky. And seeing that one person on the far left of the row made me smile so big. Going to see it again tomorrow. Warm regards, Henrik Hansen, Bainstone, UK. Oof, really well done. Showing your excitement, but not spoiling at all. So much to talk about. It was a great movie. Thank you for that email, Henrik. Thank you for all the messages, everybody. That is a wrap for us because this episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. Hi, Brad. And Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to Gargantos. Gargantos. The serial from the multiverse with arms and O's. Gargantos. Yum. You think those... The arms are crunchy or like Oh, there's like a chewy. marshmallow squish. Ooh, marshmallow squish. Mmm, yum, 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 yum. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe.